We see it in the world in which we live and in the country which is ours. The changes that a man has gone through in his view and his concept of religion and of Christianity and of what it means or should mean to an individual. We live in a land now that still allows us that freedom to gather and to worship, to think about the, uh, sing the songs that we sing about the birth of Jesus, his life, what it means to us. But we also live in a land that believes that they have the right to refrain from worshiping God and then to a degree to impose that restriction upon others. It's amazing to read recently the number of uh, public libraries and private libraries that are now putting the Bible on the ban list, the books forbidden to read. Uh, and you think, who would have ever thought that, that would be the case? Uh, one is you can buy Bibles freely anywhere, but to have a library or have somebody in a library decide that that's inappropriate reading for individuals, so we're not going to allow that book to be read. It's just you know, the commentary that we have in our society. But Peter reminds us in that first letter and in the fourth chapter, and verse 12 and following, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. For on their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. The time will come when the persecutions will come. We've been blessed and we think that that time will not be ours, that we may not see that. But in essence, we do not know for sure. But ours is not dependent upon whether we are free to worship God or not. Ours is not dependent upon whether we're persecuted for our service to God or not. It is dependent upon our faithfulness to God. We are to live our lives, and we are to live our lives in hope of what God has done for us. We're to be reminded that we have been chosen by God. God would choose to save the whole world. That's why he gave his son. But for those who have accepted his offer, we've been chosen by God as we have obeyed that gospel. He's loved us. He's elected us as we have obeyed his will. We're born of God. Not only has he loved us, he has made us 
his child. And just the concept of that, being called a child of a living, a holy, and a righteous God. We've been destined for good. If we've come out of the world of darkness and into his marvelous light, we're moving through this world for a better place and we're destined for good. And that we have an incorruptible inheritance waiting for us. We live in a land where at times we have inheritance handed down to us. And again, as sometimes as they're handed down, then the ones that have received it do not cherish it near as much as the one who handed it down to them. But God has given us an incorruptible inheritance. And that's something that the world cannot take away from us. Again, persecution may come. It may be a lot to suffer for Christ. Maybe a lot to suffer severely for Christ. It may even to die in being faithful to Him. But that inheritance is there. And I need to be reminded as well that I am shielded by God's power. Love that concept. What would we do without the promise of God? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as has come unto man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to bear, but with every temptation will provide a way of escape. God has promised that he is with us. His power is with us. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 13, verses, verses 5 and 6, God is for us. Who can be against us? What can man do to us if God is for us? I will never leave you, God said, and I will never forsake you. Those are promises that are given to us to help us in our life. We're reminded in the scriptures that in light as persecution is faced, it is amazing at times what will happen in the physical realm. Jesus says, Father will betray son and mother daughter. One will give up family in order to spare their own life. But God has promised he will never abandon us, nor will he ever leave us in the life that we live here. And I am completely protected as I face those various trials that, James, or that uh, Peter had talked about. Completely protected. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Be aware your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he cannot touch us if we remain faithful to God and stay with him in his word. We have his protection. We have what we call the Christian armor in 1 Timothy 6, 10 through 18. 
spend some time there as well, learning what those, that armor is, and learning how it protects every vital aspect of our life spiritually. We have God's Word there to help us. Therefore, I can have joy in the midst of trials. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul said, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known unto all men. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You're a child of the King. Your inheritance is in heaven. He has promised you protection. How can you not but rejoice? They persecuted the Master. It's not a big deal or it's not going to be above that. And we also suffer persecution along the way. So I have joy in the midst of my trials. But as Peter would go on into the second letter, there's also a need for me to grow spiritually. The need to constantly be growing in what we call the Christian graces in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. To remind ourselves to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 3 of 2 Peter and verse 18. To spend that time. Because how could you not want to spend time with the one who has promised you salvation, promised you protection, promised you an eternal home, with him one day. But that he's given that to anyone, to everyone, who will accept that gracious message that he has of salvation. That we are to live holy lives, godly lives. That we're to strive to live in harmony with one another. Peter calls us to holiness. A Christ-like a godlike characteristic, an attitude, and desire in this world. And as we do such, we're going to be different from the world. Paul would tell the Romans in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he beseeched them by the mercies of God to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and show what is that perfect and acceptable and pure word of God. Understand what we have and do not let the world mold us into their way of thinking. We're going to be different. Jesus says they hated him. Don't be, do not be surprised that they hate you. You are different than them. You have different characteristics than the world does. You have a different attitude. You have a different perspective. A different outlook. And the world does not understand that. But God does. God understands that lifestyle and desires us to put our trust in Him. To seek to put forth that sacrificial love. Considering others. 
the concern for one another. Always room for us to grow in that concept and that attitude along the way. Seeking to live in unity. Reminding ourselves that we are members of the same family. And what a blessing that is. Again, sometimes we recognize it. But oftentimes we really do not see it. It's hard for us because you cannot do it really. It's hard for us to really have a grasp of what this world would be like for the spiritual family of God if prayers were not being offered up on behalf of one another. In other words, you may never know how the prayers of a brother or a sister in Christ has helped to change your life. What a concept. What a blessing that is. There have been trials, there have been tribulations. Again, Peter talked about that. You're going to have that. Don't think it's strange when it takes place. But also know that when those trials and tribulations come, that prayers are also being offered up on our behalf. So we're to live for Jesus and his disciple we're ever to be. We're to live this life that shows humility. It's not us. It's not who we are in one sense. It's not we're, what we're capable of doing, the talents that we may have. Because those come from God. And it matters not if one has five talents, ten talents, two talents, one talent. That's not the issue. Because they're all used by God. All used by God in ways that, again, that we do not perceive. You've heard me talk about it from the past, but again, look at it from now and, and into the future. You will never know the impact that you, that you are having and the impact that you will have on the body of Christ here and wherever else that we may be as time unfolds. To be able to look back, to hear of individuals who long before the days of the car, rode to worship service in a horse and a wagon. To make that trip for several hours just to get to worship. Oftentimes to go home and then to turn around and come back again. They'd make that trip to be with God's people. Some of you have been up north, the northern part of the Midwest, and at least know of individuals or those that travel 75, 150 miles one way to go to worship. That's the nearest place to worship the saints. And never know the impact that that will have as the years unfold. 
We have a beginning of days and we have an end of days. We have a tendency to judge our effectiveness. We have a tendency to judge our impact upon what we see. And it's hard for us to perceive that we are that vapor of uh, smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. But in that vapor, the impact that it has made on the lives of those around us and the the impact that this vapor and this vapor right here will make on generations that will follow. There's no way to perceive of that. But we're the servant. However God chooses to use us, wherever God chooses to use us, we're his servant. And we do it cheerfully if we can to the best of our ability trusting God in his working of his will out within our life. We're going to live for him. It changes the life that we live. It changes how we interact with one another. It changes how we interact with those that are outside the body of Christ. It changes how we interact with government, society, a world in which we live. And again, we never know even on the negative side, if you will. You will never know what your prayers have done in altering or modifying the course of human history. As years have gone by, and looking back down through the years, and some of you were involved in in some of that or immediately following that, how many years were prayers offered up to remove the iron curtain? How many prayers were offered up for the Berlin Wall to come down? It's a different world. I was privileged, if you will, to be on both sides of the Berlin Wall, on the west side and on the east side. And the drastic change between the two. I had a good friend of mine, a good sister in Christ, who had gone over there when the, when the wall had come down, and she brought back a little piece of it. As her life was beginning to come to an end, she said... There's nobody in my family who will know or ever appreciate what this rock is, or this piece of concrete. But he says, I know you will. So I have a physical piece of the Berlin Wall. It's just, I mean, just this to hold that and to think about it. How many prayers have kept the world as safe as it may be, as hectic as it is? But how much worse could it could it have been, or maybe, if it was not for prayers being offered to God, that Christians could live in peace, Christians could serve God here, and Christians could reach out to those who stand in need. Ours is to serve. He will use us, he will glorify us, and allow us to be his servants along the way. 
to redeem the time that we have, not wasting our lives, to realize again, ours is to be about, as Jesus said, my Father's business. That's my task. That's the goal that we have within our lives. To appreciate what God has blessed us with and challenged us with and being His. Again, as it goes over in the second Peter in that first chapter, we go over to chapter three and look at verse one. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, and both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord's Savior, knowing this that scoffers will come. But I write this to remind you. It's what we've been given the scriptures for. It is to remind us. He would tell the, Peter would tell those, I don't think it's foolish for me to write again to tell you what you need to be encouraged in doing. Keep that reminder before you. It's easy to get caught up in the things of the world. It's easy to get caught up in what's going on in life, whatever it may be, whatever aspect it may be along, along the way. But keep the perspective in mind. We're here, but but a short period of time. A vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We're here but a short period of time. To use that time has been given. The opportunities that are given. The little things that may seem insignificant. But as you reflect back on life in the physical sense, as you reflect back on life in the spiritual sense, How many little things have made a difference in your life? Oftentimes it's not the grand things, the grandeur things, the great things. Oftentimes it's been a touch on the shoulder. It's been a hug. It's been a note dropped in the mail, I'm thinking of you. It's been that phone call. Spend that smile, whatever it may be. How many of the little things have changed your life? Paul Peter is saying, I want you to be reminded of who you are. I want you to think about Jesus. The world sees him in so many strange and different ways. flipping through the channels this afternoon and came across a program that was airing about Jesus. And it was his healing the man lame from birth. And it's just that change, if you will. The scripture says, he told him to rise up and to walk. And it said he leaped up and he walked. The movie 
man's perspective, the movie portrayed him as sitting on the ground with his feet outstretched and slowly beginning to move his toes, kind of slowly dragging his feet up under him a little bit, trying to stand up, having to have help to stand up, and then trying to uncurl his toes so he can step out and to walk. Is that how the world perceives what religion is, what Christianity is? It's kind of there. It kind of might help. It might get you through a difficult time. But do we see the power that transforms the life? Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The transformation, the changing of the life. Paul's thought again there in Romans 12. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to show what the will of God is. Make that change, but understand, wow, what a change that is. To go from one who had no hope, to go from one who had no purpose in life, to go from one who had despair in his life, to then to be able to have life, to have purpose, to have a family. What a difference it makes. And to remind ourselves as Peter is writing, you take these graces that he talks about in verses 5 through 11 of 2 Peter chapter 1. If these are yours and if they're increasing, if they're abounding in you, you're going to be useful for the master. And again, it's always those, it's the little things that we do along the way as we grow and as we continue to grow. Well, I found out that Pat's not the only one that keeps papers from the kids. <clears throat> Daddy has some too. And Daddy's got some of them in his Bibles. I came across one yesterday that my son has sent or gave to me. And uh, I took a picture of it and sent it to him. And he said, oh my, that must have been some time ago. Now at the bottom, it had the year 2000. Just the little things uh, that it changes lives. As Christians, we see that. So what Peter's wanting us to do. See what you have. You start where you're at. You understand that when you've made a change, you're going to go through some persecution that comes your way. But you've got to understand the blessings that you have that are greater than those persecutions. They're only temporary. They may seem severe and they may affect the body severely, but they're only temporary. We're looking for something that's eternal. So we press on. We keep the hope alive and move forward. And if these are yours and abounding, you're going to be fruitful for the Master. And that interest into the way of heaven will be abundantly supplied to you. Sometimes, again, we get that impression, like from the movie, we get the impression that we go to heaven, we're going to get there by the skin of our teeth. I've heard Christians talk about that. I just, barely want to, I just barely want to get in the door. I just want in that gate. What Peter says is that's not how it works. I'm not going in by the works that I did. 
I'm going in by the blood of Jesus Christ who washed my sins away. And there is a world of difference between the two. Change the life of how we want to serve and be found pleasing in God's sight. Change the life because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make the adjustment that needs to be made because of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be willing to do His will in, his, in our life because of the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Recognize, as we sing the invitation song, Jesus calls softly and tenderly. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to force you to stay, where, to stay with him. That's your choice. But if you know Jesus, if you know God, if you know his word, how can you listen to a soft and tender voice calling you and not want to respond? There's a need to make the change in the life, the need for help in making a change in your life. If there's any way that we could assist you or help you in that decision, indeed we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.